Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Hey, you. Yes, you. You are listening to our podcast right now. So thank you. We love you. And we want to find more people like you. So can you do us a small favor? I had to approve this message so I can promise you it's not that much work. And there's something in it for you as well. We can even call it a deal rather than a favor since, you know, we love making deals on the show. So if you're listening on Spotify, hit the share button and hit Instagram stories. Or if you're on a different platform, take a screenshot of you listening to this podcast right now and post it to Instagram stories. Feel free to add a little comment, ideally a positive one, or even a link to the show and tag us, Daniel Foch and Nick Hill, my buddy Nick, and we'll share it on our Instagram stories as well. This is a really easy way for us to get more listeners like you because your friends and Instagram followers are probably just as wonderful as you are, or they see you becoming a real estate mogul and want access to the secret sauce, like like Michael's secret stuff from Space Jam. When we share your story, you also get exposure to our listeners. So you might have a chance to make some like-minded friends along the way, maybe future business partners, maybe future life partners. After all, our primary goal here is to officiate a wedding for two people who met because of this podcast. Wait, wait, that's the goal? We sorry, want to our, officially Sorry, our primary goal here is to build a community of the next generation of real estate investors in Canada, and this is an easy way for us to do that. There we go. There we go. And I guess a, a, a happily married couple would just be a great byproduct of that. Yeah, for sure. For sure it would be. I'm going to start off here with a quick deal of the day because we made some amendments to my listing that I have on Coxwell, 979 Coxwell in Toronto. It's a five-unit building, one commercial, four residential. We used it actually as, for those of you who joined us on the webinar, we used it as the case study for the webinar and we kind of worked some things into place and we actually found that it was better opportunity as an ad value. And originally I was marketing this as like a three and a half percent cap rate, but we found that you know if you did some cash for keys negotiation, booted a couple of the tenants... You know, and the owner has explored some of these options and, and buyouts, et cetera, then you could probably bring this thing up to a four and a half or a five percent cap rate, depending on what assumptions you were using. So cool to check that out. If you want, there is a recording of the landlord webinar as well. And thanks for all of you who who joined us for that. Now, on that note, let's talk about this network that we're building here, Nick. Yeah, you know, after coming hot off of our recent trip to Alberta, we're super proud to have a growing network of real estate professionals across the country that are ready to serve you, our audience. Funnily enough, Dan and I actually just got off a call with two gentlemen from Alberta that are investing there that already are looking to partner and help service people. We have realtors, lawyers, mortgage brokers, insurance brokers across Canada. So if you're looking to connect with us or any other professional and become a long-distance investor, whether you're living in Ontario and want to invest in Alberta or Nova Scotia, Newfoundland or Vancouver, reach out and we will help you connect to those correct people. Dan, you've got a great review that we're going to read and then we're going to dive right into the show. Let's get the good vibes going and hit us with this review. Yeah, here. for sure. And, and also for those of you who want to connect with other investors, we are building a forum right now. We should have a wait list link for you with our partner sometime soon. So stay tuned for that. Keep an eye open because we're going to be kind of letting in like 10, 20 people at a time to do like a beta test just to try and build out basically a forum because everybody keeps comparing us to bigger pockets and they want that functionality of this in the Canadian market. Without further ado, I'm going to do a quick review. Thank you. This is called Best Smorgasbord by 
ADV Eats. Been listening to this podcast for a couple of months after looking for a more relevant to Canadian podcast than Bigger Pockets. Nick and Dan bring a deep knowledge and a wide variety of real estate investment topics. I've especially appreciated learning about the positive and negative effects of inflation on real estate. Would really love to hear an episode on the ins and outs of private money investment and getting started in Canadian real estate investment. How deals are structured, how to find investors, when's the right time to use private money, etc. Would love your expert perspective on this. Keep up the great work. Looking forward to listening for years to come. Thank you very much, ADV Eats. And for anybody else, if you're going to leave us a review, the reason we do these is so that you're hopeful that we'll we'll leave your wicked review or we'll shout out to your wicked review on the podcast. Put your Instagram handle in there or whatever, and, and we'll give you a shout out if you want us to drive traffic to that or your business or whatever it is. Yeah, guys, come on. My mom left a review, right? I can't just keep reading family members' reviews here. I'm kidding. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Honestly, that review itself could be a full episode with the questions he's got there. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's something, you know, we get a lot of requests about crowdfunding as well. So we want to talk about, we're going to do an episode on like crowdfunding, but also GPLP structures and just general fundraising for deals. It is a little bit of a legislatively or regulatorily sensitive subject. So we just got to be careful with the verbiage. We've been working on it for a while, but just making sure the language is all lawyer approved. Okay. Enough is enough. Let's get down to why everyone really tuned in today because we've got a great episode. We are going to be talking about and exploring and explaining the best mortgage in the country right now. Yeah. Today, we're going to be talking about the literal best mortgage you can get in the country. I mean, I don't even know if we're allowed to say that, but I think it's not even actually a mortgage. It's insurance on a mortgage. And so this is a CMHG insured mortgage for multifamily properties. It has preferred rates, extended amortizations, and some of the highest loan to values that you're going to see for multifamily. Sounds like the perfect trifecta. Yeah, it does. I guess if people understand what we're talking about. So maybe let's just define these for anyone who's new to tuning in and hasn't listened to our glossary episode. Yeah, that was an episode where we went over every real estate investing term that you should know. So if you haven't listened to that, go listen to it. And if you have, it's always worth a refresher. So the first one that we're going to be talking about that you have to know about is the interest rate, which is the proportion of a loan that is charged as interest to the borrower typically expresses an annual percent of the outstanding loan. So interest rates, pretty simple. You know, a couple months ago, they were 1.5%. Now they're 5.5%. So next up is amortization, the action or process of reducing or paying off a debt with regular payments or killing it, which is where the Latin mort comes from in there. Ah, yes. Our resident Latin expert. Thank you. Next and final one we've got here is LTV, which you'll hear us mention that acronym quite a bit. That's loan to value. And that's the maximum amount in percentage of a secured loan based on the market value of the asset pledged as collateral. So essentially, let's say 80-20 is probably the most common loan to value, which essentially means you put 20% of the money down and you owe 80%. So that's an 80-20 LTV. Okay. So who is the lender on this king of mortgages and where can I get one? Well, it's not so simple because these mortgages are insured by CMHC or Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. Yeah. So I guess they're not actually issued by or lent by CMHC, but they're insured by CMHC and therefore almost gatekept by CMHC, let's say. Okay. 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 Let's define gatekeeping because you love 
when people gatekeep on social media. Don't My favorite that. one was when I used GVA on TikTok because somebody told me people from Vancouver don't call it GVA, like greater Vancouver area, as if people outside of the GVA aren't allowed to come out with their own name for the GVA. Like, I'm sure you don't call it that in Vancouver because you probably just say the name of the neighborhood where, because people know what you're talking about. Like, I don't think anybody in the GTA calls the GTA the GTA. That's the point. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> yes, you really did digress there. Plot twist. It was actually me on a troll account because I'm from Vancouver or like we call it the lower mainland. And I've always hated it when you called it the GVA. So I had to take the some lower action. mainland. I feel like sounds like something from game of Thrones, honestly. Also, <laughs> I know you wouldn't do that to me, not because you wouldn't enjoy it, but I like, I do actually think you would enjoy trolling me on TikTok, but literally just because I've seen your calendar and know you're too busy for that kind of shit. Yeah, that's true. But okay, before we get carried away here, let's get back to this mortgage. The best mortgage in all of the seven kingdoms. The one mortgage to rule them all. And yes, I know this is references from both Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, but this is CMHC Multifamily Financing. Okay, so let's start with the big old question. I like it, man. We got to go with the action movie stuff. Like we just filmed the Troy Built video. So we got the action movie voices going. Stay tuned for us making fools yeah. of ourselves with snowblowers. So, okay, so let's start with the big old question. Who is CMHC and what do they do? So how badly do you want to do the Arnold Schwarzenegger Who voice Who is right your now? daddy? I can't do it. I like literally can't do it. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. But if you're in the Canadian real estate market, CMHC is probably and your daddy. what does he do? Well, why don't you tell us, Dan, what do they so, do? So CMHC has a couple of functions. Yeah, a couple. I mean, for those listening, you're going to hear this list and be like, yeah, that's more than a couple. These guys do way too many things. Yeah, you're definitely not wrong there. They do. That's one of my primary criticisms of CMHC, to be honest. They are way too big and broad and do way too much for a government entity. And that's why they screw up on some things that they do. But getting cheap money into the hands of investors is not one of those things. And we like that. I'm actually surprised that your primary criticism of the CMHC isn't their negative 22% forecast of the housing market that they came out with at the beginning of COVID. They were literally wrong on house prices by like orders of magnitude on that one. Yeah. Actually, could we talk about that a little bit? Because I, before we get to this list of, of all the stuff that they do, because it's something I actually like to talk about and it's kind of relevant to the list because I have this theory. It's like a little conspiratorial, but hear me out. So regardless of the accuracy of that call, CMHC kind of backed themselves. So in 2020, CMHC put in a report, their forecast of the housing market was a drop of like 20 plus percent. And then the then head of CMHC, Evan Siddall, was like an absolute animal on Twitter at the time. I used to tweet with him a lot and it was super fun to be able to interact with somebody who he admired in Canadian housing. And then they made that call. I felt really bad for the guy because the call was like, bad. And I mean, it was just like, he was really honestly trying to engage with the audience and be apologetic. And there's like this angry mob of Anon accounts and analysts destroying this guy on Twitter in a Twitter thread. And he was just like taking it on the chin and trying to be so steadfast and stand up about it and like fielding all these questions. And there's some of the wildest days I've ever actually experienced on Twitter when Evan Siddall was more active, especially defending that call in 2021. But I digress. Yes, that's another great digression yeah, today. Thanks, yeah, it's, uh, I have a knack for it today. Too many Red Bulls. So after that call, CMHC did something and it was or turned out to be a strategic move from my perspective. Do you know what they did? I banned Evan Siddle no, from Twitter. No, but that's probably the funniest possible answer. 
Yeah, maybe they should have done that. So when they made this call, CMHC actually increased their insurance premiums on mortgage insurance. And what happened about a year later, Nick? They finally banned Evanston. No, Twitter. but Sagan bought Genworth mortgage insurance. Okay, so let's pause there for a second and look at Sagan, Genworth, and CMHC. So Sagan, previously known as Genworth Canada, is one of Canada's largest private mortgage insurance providers. They offer many different mortgage insurance products to lenders and brokers across Canada, making home ownership a more accessible dream to first-time buyers. That's from their website, guys. <laughs> that's not your personal. Obviously, they're making that's not me. Obviously, they're making your dreams come true. So what they do is they offer insurance to help protect lenders when offering mortgages to borrowers. In turn, this helps make mortgages more readily available to homeowners. Without this type of insurance policy, lenders will be less likely to approve home loans, which would drastically limit the number of homeowners in the market. With an insurance policy in place, lenders are now able to offer larger sums of money to borrowers and help, again, fulfill their dreams of making home ownership a reality. So that being said, there are three main companies that provide your dream is coming true through home insurance, and that is the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, kind of the star of the show today, the CMHC, Gemworth Financial and Canada Guarantee. Now remember, Gemworth and Sagan are now one major entity. Yeah, or, or I think Sagan bought Gemworth, but yeah, anyway. Sorry, yes. They were publicly traded before. The other way yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. What is mortgage default insurance and is it a requirement? Not all borrowers who take out a mortgage will have to pay into mortgage default insurance. It will all depend on the down payment amount being put forth after the real estate deal goes through. Yes. Yeah, so in order to avoid paying mortgage default insurance, borrowers must put a down payment of at least 20% of the purchase of the price of the home. Any less will require borrowers to pay an additional insurance premium. Mortgage default insurance is required for payments between 5% and 19.99%. At least with a 20% down payment, the loan amount required will be smaller. That means the borrower will have more equity in the home at the onset of the mortgage. The higher the down payment, the less risk a lender is taking in terms of the chances that the borrower will default on the mortgage. So while the need to pay more into a mortgage may seem like a nuance, this type of policy makes it possible for more consumers to become homeowners. And without it, there'd be far fewer people who'd be able to afford a home and purchase and acquire a mortgage. The premium can either be paid in one lump sum at closing or it can be rolled into the mortgage payments and paid little by little over the course of the mortgage. Okay. So... I'm going to imagine that if you're CMHC or you're in the federal government or the Bank of Canada or you're an executive at a pension fund or Genworth or Sagan, you all probably have some sort of idea what the other hand is doing, right? Am I just imagining this? I mean, based off some of the stuff we've been seeing from all those entities, you could be imagining it. You've got a great imagination okay. as well. Fair so. Enough. so let's assume that they do. So once you make a call like they did in 2020 and say the market's going to drop 20%, it becomes like almost a moral hazard to insure any mortgages thereafter, especially when you're insuring those mortgages with taxpayer money, which is how CMHC is funded. So I think that CMHC made that call knowing that the Fed and the Bank of Canada knew that this pain would come eventually, and they decided to privatize some of that risk in the market. I've mentioned this a lot. Bank of Canada and a bunch of other people like to demonize real estate investors as if they are the ones creating risk, but I will defend real estate investors. Everyone listening, let the record show. He said, investors, 
Not speculators. Yes, not speculators. I won't defend them. In fact, I'll probably join whatever is offending them, but I will defend <laughs> real estate investors because I don't feel they're responsible for any systemic risk in the market right now, but speculators are, and first-time home buyers are, in my opinion. So what, you're going to do the thing where you make first-time home buyers feel bad for the housing bubble yeah, again? Yeah, well, Come yes on. and no. I don't want to make anyone <laughs> feel bad or blame anyone for a housing bubble because that's just like an economic phenomenon, but it's just math here. First-time home buyers are literally first-time buyers. Wow, great observation. Correct. They have never bought before, hence the name first time <laughs> right. home buyers. Like that just means they don't have experience. They didn't see speculation burn down the housing market in the nineties. The realtor is probably like their cousin or their friend or someone they met in the bar scene and follow on Instagram. And even if it's not that, the realtor is probably likely to be younger simply because they are younger. And so if they're not always going to get the best advice. And they're buying with the most leverage in the market and it's insured by the taxpayer was insured by the taxpayer until this move. And I think is that's what you're saying. Yeah. So CMHC pushed some of that risk off of their books and onto the private sector where that risk belongs, in my opinion. CMHC did this by becoming more expensive. They made themselves the worst choice for insurance when compared to Genworth, Sagan, or Canada Guarantee. Some lenders still use them, but it did impact their book quite a bit. And I think that that was by design. And where it didn't impact their book, they were charging a higher rate. So they were charging more money for the same risk. So in one single move, they de-risked and increased the value where they were being compensated for any remaining risk. So do you think they thought there was a risk coming? Uh, yeah. How do you think I was so obsessed with downside risk for the last few years? <laughs> yeah, I guess that was a bit of a rhetorical question. Okay, finally... Finally, we can get to this never-ending list of stuff that CMHC does that we mentioned about 10 minutes ago. So let's start here. Mortgage insurance for high-ratio mortgages, like you just mentioned, very exhaustively, I might add. And national housing Should strategy. we define all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, why wait until the end? We'll have to do it in time because this episode is supposed to be called, Does CMHC Have the Best Mortgage in Canada? Not... Did CMHC do all this stuff because Dan's wild economic conspiracy theories? That would be a horrible Okay, thing. fine. Let's get back to the list. I'm sure we'll cover a lot of these programs more exhaustively in the future anyway. Yeah, okay. So what we're going to do is we have to read exactly from the CMHC website for legal reasons here. So from the CMHC website, we offer flexible funding and financing opportunities, expertise and advice to help housing professionals promote and protect affordable housing in Canada. Our mortgage, insurance, and securitization products offer access to home ownership and rental housing while supporting financial stability. Dan and I are now going to do one of each subheading back and forth. Dan, take it. Yeah, and we're going to quickly go over like the whole list here. And then there's a couple of ones that are really of interest from our perspective for multifamily investors and small cap investors that we will dive in on and kind of point you in the right direction to learn more about these on the website or just like email Nick if you want. But Affordable Housing Innovation Fund. So loans, forgivable loans, contribution, and financing options that support housing innovation across the housing continuum. Community and social housing funding to increase capacity and support in the community housing sector. Federal lands initiative, so giving surplus federal lands and buildings available for affordable housing development. Funding for the indigenous housing, which is funding opportunities for housing and construction and renovation for on and off reserve. Housing supply challenge, a $300 million fund to break down barriers affecting housing supply. Innovation and research, 
funding opportunities to promote excellence in housing innovation and research. Man, we should talk to them about yeah, that. Yeah, perhaps. We should, be get, we should be getting a grant. National Housing Co-Investment Funding, Construction Loans and Contributions. National Housing Strategy Project Profiles, Encouraging Innovation and Technology to Create Affordable and Livable Communities for People Living in Canada. Rapid Housing Initiative, Capital Contributions for Rapid Construction of New Housing and or Acquisition of Existing Buildings for Rehabilitation or Conversion to Permanent Affordable Housing. Yeah, I like that one. We've talked about that one before. Rental Construction Financing Initiative, Low-Cost Loans Encouraging the Construction of Sustainable Rental Apartments Across Canada. And finally, Shared Equity Mortgage Providers Fund, Helping Canadians Achieve Affordable Homeownership. So this is all publicly available information. It is not mortgage advice. It is not financial advice. Disclaimer, disclaimer, fiduciary duty, et cetera. (laughs) Yeah, everything we're about to read to you is available on CMHC's website. It can be a little more complicated to actually get this type of financing and telling you exactly how to do it does kind of go outside of what we're technically allowed to do and say on the show. So just call me if you want to have a real in-depth conversation about this, call me, email the show. And if you're interested in any of these programs, we can point you in the right direction from there. Not but <laughs> Big hint there. Yeah. It starts with contacting a broker anyway. So if you want to get private advice re- reserved for clients, call Nick or your own broker if you don't like Nick. They can't see you doing the air quotes there, Dan. Right, I always uh, forget that. <laughs> also, they're probably not listening to this podcast if they don't like me. Fair so enough. Also a great point. Okay, CMHC insured term debt for multifamily. Let's get started on these mortgages. Just 20 minutes into the episode here. Mortgage loan insurance for affordable and market rental housing. As Canada's only provider for mortgage insurance for multi-unit residential properties, CMHC provides access to preferred interest rates, lowering borrowing costs for the construction, purchase, and refinance of multi-unit residential properties and facilitates renewals throughout the life of the mortgage. Additional incentives are available to support affordable rental housing projects. So their MLI Select is a point system that they use to offer insurance incentives based on affordability, energy efficiency, and accessibility, and market rental housing mortgage loan insurance products they have for pretty much the full spectrum of housing. I'm just going to quickly go through this list here. Standard rental housing, which is the one we're going to be exploring the most. Then they have retirement housing, supportive housing, student housing, and single room occupancy or co-living, which is a pretty cool kind of new innovation that's coming out. All of those probably deserve their own episode, which we will get into as we get a little bit more granular with this show. But I feel like we're still like in our infancy here. We're still kind of flying at 30,000 feet. We'll be doing a deep dive on a lot of stuff though over the coming months. So Nick, can you expand on the quote unquote standard rental housing portion? Because there's a special page for it, which we'll link in the show notes for anyone interested. This is where things are going to get a little crazy. Mortgage loan insurance for standard rental housing. So mortgage insurance options for standard rental housing in multi-unit residential buildings. CMHC mortgage insurance offers flexible tools to build, buy, or refinance standard multi-unit rental housing. This includes financing options such as higher loan-to-value ratios, loan advances up to 75% of the lending value during your construction period, lower debt coverage ratios, preferred interest rates, and amortization periods of up to 40 years. 40 years. 
I mean, like that's yeah. I mean, you're literally almost having the principal payment on your building by comparison to what you'd be getting in a smaller building. I guess like maybe we chat about this one a little bit right now because we're using this on a ten unit, right? Because I think that the the standard rental housing this is only five plus units, I believe. Whereas the next one that I'm going to mention is two to four units, which I didn't even know existed, by the way. I was learning in this research thing. But so I guess greater than five units, you can have access to this extended amortization program. Yes, I believe it's five. I'm almost positive it's five. It might be six. But basically, anything over a fiveplex, you need to check out this product because it is designed to support that. Yeah. And I mean, like just to kind of help people wrap their heads around why an extended amortization is an advantage, you're decreasing the amount of principal that you're paying. So if you're a cash flow investor, you're decreasing your monthly payment, not the interest portion per se, but the principal portion. And therefore you're increasing your monthly cash flow. So it makes investments for investors who are cash flow investors a lot more compelling. And it also increases the incentive for people to like keep old rents in place because now they can afford to buy new properties and with those lower rents because they'll still cash flow at because you're basically taking that mortgage and you're paying it off over 40 years rather than over 20 years. So you're literally- The traditional, yeah, 25 to 30, which we see it's mostly done on the residential side, right? We amp it up to 40 here and that gives you that extra you know, 10 to 15 years where you're able to pay that back. Right. Exactly. Next one on the list is if you just search, I think if you just Google CMHC income property, this should come up. I didn't even know that this existed, by the way. And it's not, this one's not like super fantastic, but it's basically just offering similar insurance that they offer to first time home buyers, but to income properties. So financing options for investors in all markets, it says on their website, CMHC income property is a mortgage loan insurance for two to four rental units, non-owner occupied. It provides investors with more housing finance choice when purchasing a rental property. So under the heading loan to value, it says for small rental loans, the loan to value ratio for two to four units is up to 80% loan to value. So there might be some advantage for those people. You know, if you're buying in maybe a fringe market and the local credit union will really only give you a 70, 75% loan value. And you really want to stretch that leverage point a little bit. You want to put less cash into the deal. Maybe you got some renovations to do or something like that. Getting insurance on it could be advantageous to get you to that higher leverage point. Minimum equity requirements is next on their list for small rental loans. The minimum equity requirement is 20%, which, you know, just do the math. 20% gets you the 80% loan to value. Adds up to 100%. Pretty crazy math. Yeah, I know. Up to 50% gross rental income or a net rental income approach may be used. So they'll either use gross rental income up to 50% of the gross rental income for the subject property may be included. Taxes and heat for the property can also be excluded or can be excluded from the GDS and TDS ratios. They use something called PITH, P-I-T-H, plus other debt. So PITH is, I think it's principal interest, taxes, and heat or heat hydro, whatever. Maybe there's a bunch of H's there. And then they divide that by borrower's gross annual income. I just realized that I left the definition there for you. It's okay. How'd y'all get over it in time? Not to be confused with the spongy white tissue lining the rind of an orange, lemon, or other citrus fruits, which is also known now, as a pith. See, see that? I didn't know. That's some good real estate information. <laughs> I was like Googling pith and that's what I just kept coming up with that. So anyway, so net rental income approach. Lenders may use their own internal guidelines for determining net rental income, gross rents, less operating expenses, 
So again, it's really at the lender's discretion, but the buck stops with CMHC, whether or not the lender's not going to lend on the deal if CMHC is not going to insure it if you're trying to work through this program, right? Yeah. I mean, this is good news. I'd actually, I'm not really too familiar with this program, but it does sound like a decent way to get a higher leverage point over that 80%. You know, if you're stuck with that 65 or, or 70% loan to value, which some lenders cap out at, and we've just experienced with some of the financing options that we've been exploring with some of our recent acquisitions, Dan, I guess the caveat is that it's pretty strict on the debt servicing. So the deal really does have to make sense. Yeah. It basically sounds like they'll only take like the best cash flow scenarios on deals. And like CMHC is known to underwrite this way. You know, like a lot of individuals that I work with in the purpose-built rental space or rental takeout financing space, like the other programs that we're going to mention here, they're known to underwrite with cap rates that are a little bit lower or whatever. So, you know, they're more conservative in their underwriting as they should be from my perspective, because they're using taxpayer money to insure loans. But, you know, for you, if you're an investor, if you're too lazy to underwrite your own stuff and don't want to decide whether or not a deal is safe or not, and you're really worried about risk, just try to finance everything through CMHC and you'll basically be guaranteed to only end up with the safest portfolio. You might not do a lot of deals, but you will end up with a very safe portfolio. Anyway, last but not least, and this is like, if you thought 40-year AMS is crazy, this one gets even crazier. And if you could stack these two pieces of financing on top of one another, anyway, rental construction financing. I keep giving you the good ones. Next, first you get 40-year AMS and now this, but this one is my favorite because it's just so Canadian to offer a leverage point this high with taxpayer money. Rental construction financing initiative. Low-cost loans encouraging the construction of sustainable rental apartment projects across Canada. CMHC rental construction financing provides low-cost funding to eligible borrowers during the most risky phase of product development of rental apartments, construction through stabilized operations. So did they actually use the word risky on their website? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the minimum loan is $1 million and a maximum of up to 100% loan to cost for the residential loan component. Yeah, CMHC is really giving new meaning to keep it 100, which that song actually came out in 2015. And that's around when they started this program. So I'm going to assume there's a correlation there. Oh, for sure. They're directly tied hand in hand. The initiative focuses on standard rental apartment projects in Canada with general occupants where there is a need for additional rental housing supply. They do have some other stuff like a 75% affordable housing loans, 20 years at 75% of AMR. Yeah, so AMR means average market rent, by the way. So this is an affordable housing program. I've tried to push some deals through on this program and it's really tough to get deals done because the margins are so tight. So basically what you got to do is you have to reduce the rents on the building to 75% of rent. And if you leave it like that for 20 years, they'll basically give you like a grant or I don't know, it might be 0% financing. I can't even remember the program properly, but it is on their website. If you're interested in, in building affordable housing, which I personally am, and I was actually networked and awarded by CMHC sort of at the onset of my career for affordable housing innovation. So that's where I learned about a lot of this stuff. But anyway, the margins are really tight and in a lot of cases it won't cash flow. So it's a program that at least from my perspective, isn't used that often. Yeah, I mean, it presents some challenges because basically you have to keep the units cheap for a long time before you can realize that 
upside. And it's actually kind of funny because I feel like our investment strategy is kind of like that, like our Cornwall strategy, at least where we're, you know, we're taking on older tenants, going to let them age in place, be happy with the units. They've been there for a long time. We don't want to uproot anybody. We don't want to kick anybody out. And so we're deferring the gratification for, I don't mean the, the remainder of their lives, right? So they can live there comfortably for the rest of their lives. And then later on, when that natural course happens, we'll realize the upside. So wait, you're telling me Real estate's a long-term play. I thought we were buying these things to flip next no, year. No, no, that no, that was last year. That was last year. That's ah. it. The get rich quick scheme is gone. Come on, we missed it. So, it, I mean, it's going to be especially tough to sell that in Ontario, given once those units are allowed to go to market rents, because you know you can't really evict tenants here. And if you want to hear more about the pain on that, we'll probably do a full episode on on the landlord tenant board, not that we already haven't touched on them numerous times, but maybe going through the landlord tenant board, maybe a specific Ontario episode about all the different end forms and everything you need. Because I know that coming back from Alberta, landlord tenant relations, rental increases, it is a whole different ball game out there. Yeah. I think we did touch on a couple of these different things like loosely, but obviously the legislature is different because it's regulated provincially. It's different on a province by province basis. But yeah, it'd be nice to do something pretty exhaustive on the landlord and tenant relationship in each province. And yeah, I mean, like in regards to this not really working as a strategy in Ontario, maybe if you apply for the landlord and tenant board hearing now, you might have a court date set in 20 years when it's up for renewal. <laughs> if we have not fixed the landlord tenant stuff by 20 years from now, that's it. I give up. I'm moving away. I fully <laughs> anticipate that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Anyways, that was all we have for today, everybody. We hope that was as insightful as possible. That's a lot of information about CMHC to take in, which is a wonderful organization designed in many ways to keep homeowners safe. You know, from their website to make homeowners' dreams come true, which is lovely. But they also provide a bunch of great tools for investors. Now, one of the things we need to get better at as investors is utilizing our resources. And when a resource is presented to you like this, Dan and I think is something worth pursuing. So go check out all the CMHC products. If you can find a great multifamily deal, send it over to us. We'll help you analyze it and maybe even help find funding for it. You know, Analyze something, bring us something to analyze. If it's a good deal, we can help put funding together even through this program. Hope everyone found that very informative. I hope you had as much fun listening to it as we did putting it together. And hopefully it was an, as informative because I can tell you, Dan, I learned a thing or two in this episode as well. I did as well, actually researching. So, And yeah, I mean, look, just keep in mind here that CMHC, as well as being a mortgage insurer, also, you know, they're responsible for the national housing strategy. It's literally their goal to create new housing supply, modernize existing housing, promote innovation and research and provide resources for community housing providers. And in a lot of ways, credit products for investors is a meaningful way to, to create housing. And so same way that BDC, who we've mentioned before, Business Development Bank of Canada has a mandate to help businesses through credit products. CMHC has a mandate to promote the creation of more housing because we have a housing crisis in this country. And actually on that note, you know, maybe I'll sign off with this because we had a lot of conversations in Alberta with individuals about buying through like local credit unions. One of the interesting parts about local credit unions is that they have a mandate to 
use the capital, the deposits from the investors that are part of that local community, or you know, there's other ones like the Ukrainian Credit Union as an example. You know, that capital is to be used for promote the interests of that community, be it geographical or demographic community or whatever it is. And so another tool for investors is look at build relationships with their local credit unions. And we're going to start kind of like doing that a little bit more, networking with them, creating that resource, unlocking that resource a little bit. And Alberta is one of the first places where we really want to start rolling that out because it's where we get asked about the most outside of Ontario and BC and a lot from Ontario and BC investors who want to take capital to where it looks like maybe the next hotspot here. So if you want to do some deals in Alberta, give us a shout as well. We're trying to build out a, a nice little infrastructure system for long distance investors to do transactions there. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you again every Tuesday and Friday. The Canadian Real Estate Investor is for entertainment purposes only and not financial or investment advice. Always do your own due diligence. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center, license number 10317, and a partner in GNH Mortgage Group. Agent license is M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker at Royal LePage or Community Realty, a member of Royal LePage Commercial, and a licensee with the Canadian Real Estate Association, Ontario Real Estate Association, and a member of the Toronto Real Estate Board.